Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and microjet spray systems. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 354, micro spray systems. Uh, micro, what's a microjet spray system? So, uh, gosh, what, a few weeks ago? Maybe last week? I don't even remember at this point. Uh, I was talking about my new CNC build that I'm doing. Well, I've, I've, I've gotten to a point where, like, I'm kind of waiting on quotes and things like that, so I don't have anything else to do. But I was thinking about it the other day. Actually, I was running some calculations on uh, feeds and speeds and what is possible with the machine, and it looks like aluminum, cutting aluminum with this machine is totally within the realm of possibilities. Um, so the thing about cutting aluminum is you really don't need to cut aluminum, not need, you really shouldn't cut aluminum dry. You need a coolant or a lubricant. And that's really to prevent, um, on like galling of the tool, right? Or like the welding, basically like you heat up aluminum and it sticks to your tool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that ruins things fast. It's probably not the right term. I call that like galling. Like it's like cold welding almost to the tool that's exactly what it is yeah yeah and, and in fact something something important to note about this I've, I've learned the hard way but you can also go and and like even if you go to mcmaster car and look this up if you if you go if you're looking for end mills to cut aluminum do not get the special coated stuff like the titanium nitride or yeah. any of that other stuff that stuff is not good for cutting aluminum because it's actually aluminum sticks to it really well so just like your bog standard high speed steel like yeah. get the cheap stuff that's the stuff for aluminum uh and and if and if you're cutting without coolant or lubricant uh it, it makes it that much worse so so for cutting aluminum you really do need something there and um so i've been developing a microjet spray system to go on my cnc that will uh, you know equip me for that and and here's the thing you can buy Micro, or not microjet. I, the, the the whole microjet spray system name actually comes from the CNC brand that I use at work. They okay. call it the microjet spray system. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna copy them and make my <laughs> own because. Uh, and, and it's funny because I've I've purchased these from that company. Daytron is the the name of the company. I've purchased them from them, and I've had to replace parts on them. They're unreal expensive. These microjet spray systems, but I've had to rebuild them from scratch. And I know what they did, and there's nothing super magical about what they did. So I'm going to make my own and and retrofit it onto my uh, system. So the, the microjet spray system is literally just a Venturi that sucks in alcohol and then sprays it through a handful of milled aluminum parts, basically, mm-hmm. some, some nozzles. The thing that's, that's a little bit unique about it is that it clips onto the base of your spindle, and it gives you... Uh, four jets that are all adjustable. Okay, so you can point them anywhere you want. You can point them anywhere you want. Uh, and it's all a very simplistic system. The The cost is just based on how ridiculously complex the routing of all the tubes on the inside is, which I, we had clogged tubes in our machine. I had to repurchase the, the tubes and build it. It took me a full eight-hour day to rebuild their system because of how much like complex routing through like milled aluminum blocks they had. Huh. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but I, th- so here's the thing, like I understand how the whole system works and it's pretty simple. In fact, let me pull this up. Parker will be able to see it and we'll, we can share this with everyone, but 
if if you come see the show notes, we can we can uh, have pictures of it. But I've created uh, a 3D model of the whole system in Fusion 360. So basically, the whole system itself is a is a ring that has four different jets that are on a ball. Uh, like a ball swivel system. Okay. okay. So so all of, all the jets can be arranged however you want, and then you you basically just align them however you want and screw them up into the ring, and it locks them into position. And then the whole ring itself is on an eighty millimeter diameter that slides up over your uh, spindle, yep. and then you just lock it in place. And um, I found on on Amazon a Venturi that's in the like twenty dollar range that's intended for this application. But it's for like a single jet system. So yeah. like classic, you know, the bendy tube. Yeah, bendy. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the funny thing is like that would absolutely work for my situation. I don't need to do something like this. I just kind of want to do it because it's fun. So it's not a recirculation system either because you're using alcohol, right? I the, the, the whole. Yeah, the purpose here is I'm going to use denatured alcohol. I'm going to put a, a tank on the gantry that rides along with it. So it just has a pickup system. So a compressor, air compressor goes into the Venturi and it just That's, draws, yeah, draws from, from there. Yep. From there. And then it'll be distributed through four small one millimeter hoses to each one of these micro jets. And then the Venturi itself has a has an air fuel mixture, basically a, okay. <laughs> a carburetor. Yeah, on it has it. a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I can I can choose if I'm cutting wood, just shut the alcohol off. If I'm cutting alcohol, um, then just raise the alcohol uh, valve up yep. and uh, and that'll work out. So um, I've got another image here of it mounted on. I wish I could show you all this. Yeah, we'll uh, like I said, we'll, we'll post some pictures of it, but it clips onto the base of the uh, of my spindle. And then each one of the heads, you can just individually choose its its location based off of the length of the bit. And right now I have all the angles set up such that um, the the system, the microjet system should sit about a hundred millimeters above the base of the bit. So the bit engages with the tool and they have about a, each one of the jets have a, has about a 25 degree angle to spray down onto the tool. So I thought this was supposed to be like a single purpose machine. It, it, it is, <laughs> it is. I'm just, I'm expanding it to like 1.5 purpose. Well, okay. What, what, I wouldn't call this feature creep. This is more of like, I want stuff to 3D print and I want stuff that doesn't feel like a toy. And this doesn't feel like a toy. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have fun trying to 3D print these spherical jets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Going to, now, luckily the spheres themselves have flats on them. So it should be pretty simple, but I want them to be as spherical as possible. The nice thing about this whole system is since it all is, is based on vinyl tubing that goes to each one of the, the jets, the, their dimensions don't really matter because the jets, all they're really doing is acting as guides for the vinyl tubes. Yeah. So, um, if my, if my 3d printer is not particularly, I don't know what the right word is for 3d pr- in tram, it doesn't <laughs> actually really matter. <laughs> tram. Yeah. Cause, cause the way you set this, <laughs> this system up is you, you drop your bit to your piece mm-hmm. You engage the system. You turn up the alcohol until you're happy with how much it sprays. And uh, then you guide all the jets to be where you want them to be. And then you're done. I want to imagine, because I've actually never heard of using alcohol as a coolant. And, and it's not a recirculation. Like, you're going to have so much VOC going off. Is that you, a problem? 
you know, so, okay, so so both of our machines at work run 100% on alcohol okay. for all their cooling. So I'm just copying this direct from our CNCs at work, which, you know, you can't use this for cutting steel because you just, you've just made like a flamethrower at that yeah. point, right? But cutting aluminum, you're not going to get sparks or you're not going to get sparks. You can get sparks with aluminum, but you're not going to get sparks that will ignite, especially at these feeds and speeds. Okay. Uh, so alcohol is a phenomenally good coolant yeah, because it hits changes. and it hits and it and it takes the the heat away immediately yeah and it evaporates immediately so it's kind of nice because you you your piece ends up somewhat clean when it's done it like cleans as it cuts so it gives a really really good uh surface finish on it uh so back to the machines at work if we're doing a particularly heavy cut like a like a like a 20 hour run mm-hmm. which we have a few of those i'll come in in the morning because we run them overnight i'll come home in the in the morning to work and open the door i'm like oh man yeah okay <laughs> it smells like alcohol in the entire <laughs> warehouse that's why we have them in a in a warehouse that there's like basically nothing else there okay so the thing is i don't, I don't expect to cut out uh, aluminum much on this machine whatsoever it's just i realize if i make this this jet system that i can 3d print the entire thing uh, so it's like a cheap yeah. little system that's really easy to to uh, to create uh, that'll equip me to do aluminum because as it stands right now, I don't have any coolant capability. Yeah, you'd have to just stand there with like a spray bottle of alcohol and keep spraying your, your bit. And nobody wants to do that. At the same time, um, if, I, if I'm cutting wood with it, I can just turn the alcohol off and now I have air coolant for evacuating chips out of the oh yeah the, so oh, that's a good idea yeah yeah so it, it, it's it's dual purpose yeah. now there's a few things that are that are a little bit unique about this that i haven't decided how i want to do like right now i've just designed it where there's just a random thread hanging out the side of the the jet system i haven't decided how i'm actually going to hook air up to the 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 ring itself that fits around the spindle uh, I, like I said, I just kind of extruded some threads out of it, and that's probably not the best way with 3D printing. So I gotta, I gotta figure out something that will work better with that. But, but the main system is done. Uh, the main design is done in terms of all the the micro jets themselves and how they mount up into the uh, the system. So we have to show that to everyone in the uh, show notes. Yeah, we'll have we'll have a we'll have some pictures of it and um, as soon as I get it printed, which I hope to do in the next few weeks, I'll uh, I'll give some demonstrations of it. Um, it all, a lot of this came about because I, I started looking up coolant systems just in case I wanted to cut something else and um, and then I found those those inexpensive venturis, which is that it's in and of itself is just a milled aluminum block. Yeah. You, you know, um I found those on Amazon. I was like, you know what? If I combined those with this, I'd have a really awesome system that is really simple to use. And on top of that, I have some extra room on my Z plate. That's the uh, the plate that um, actually does the Z travel. I have enough room to mount the whole Venturi and all the system on there. So I can just r- run compressed air yeah. through the gantry and just connect right up to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out all the little subsystems I need as part of this. Yeah, to make everything build. work right. Yeah, and 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 like if I didn't have this, the whole the cutting plywood would work fine. It's just this will extend the life of the bits. Yeah. On top of that, I'm planning on using downcut bits as opposed to upcut bits for this, mainly for work holding purposes because I don't want to have a bunch bunch of hold down clamps or I don't want to screw all of the 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 
plywood, plywood pieces down. into the board. There's a lot of negatives to that. If you use uh, hold down clamps on the perimeter of your main piece and then you use a down cut bit, the majority of the force from the bit of cutting actually pushes your work into the table, which holds it in place. So you don't have to have as much work holding. The problem is it also pushes chips down into the the channel that you're cutting. Yeah. So if you have forced air that, that evacuates the chips. It'll push everything out. It'll push everything out. So that's sort of the, the goal with it. And and I might get a little bit more creative because in this micro jet system, I have four different jets. I may increase that number, but four is probably enough. You're probably fine. Yeah. And, and on top of that, with the four, you can align it such that it's in the X, Y axis, all the jets. So no matter which direction it's going, it always has air pushing down into your channel you know, unless you're making diagonal cuts, yeah, yeah. which the majority of my cuts are not. When are you gonna make a Dyson microjet? <laughs> like a turbo fan? It, well, on no, side? it's it's like a whole. Co- it's like a ring column of air that comes down. Yeah, um, that, that, that that actually that does not sound useful at all because like because <laughs> it, it's not directed air. It's way better to have air like focused in a spot. Okay. Uh, well, it you, is. It's just a ring of it. <laughs> it's just a blanket of air at that point. Yeah. Uh, well, it, no, it's like a... Bl- think about like a, a jet. Oh, like a cone of air. Yeah, yeah. So think about like a jet, but then you take the jet and then go 360 with it. So it's a edge cone yeah, of yeah. air. I, I remember, gosh, way back in the fab days uh, when I was there, you had printed a handful of shrouds for your 3D printer for yes. cooling. And, and you... you you kind of played around with those. A lot of different ones, yeah. But, well, I remember one of them was like three air blades. Yeah, As opposed to like nozzles. Yeah. yeah. That's actually, I'm still using that same one. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. okay. You, you <laughs> yeah. ended up liking that one. That, that yeah. one works really well. It's like it's like three nozzles, but they're, you're right, the more like columns of air that go to it. Yeah, they're not nozzles. They're like ducks. In ducks. A way. I don't yeah. even know how to say it. But yeah, like it, it, it shoots like a horizontal beam of air. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. This is what happens. Works, electrical engineers talk about fluids. fluids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works really well. Um, I don't have any problems with it, especially as I print polycarbonate all the time. Super high temperature stuff. So so there's one thing that I may adjust about this system um, instead of running compressed air, because even though I have a compressor that can push this. I don't want that compressor running all the time. Yeah, full duty cycle. It's not intended for that. I may end up getting a fan that pushes air uh, and just have that because I can engage that easily with my software Mm. such that when it starts to cut, it can fire up the fan and just engage this system. I haven't I haven't decided how fancy I want to get with that. I don't I don't know if you need if you can push that much like. The thing about the compressor, a compressed air system, is you're going to have a lot of force. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. a, a, a regulated 90 PSI coming out of that thing. You have to shove a lot through that Venturi just to suck up the Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, with a fan, I don't know of any fans that really can push that much pressure. Yeah, yeah. They have to have a really high static pressure. Yeah. Right? So, uh, a Dyson, right? Yeah. <laughs> just Dyson. put a hair dryer on hair the dryer side. On it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the compressor is probably the way to go. And I may just have to fine tune things such that the compressor, like the thing about these microjet systems is it's not about the airflow when it comes to cutting the um, uh, aluminum. It's it's more about just depositing small mists of 
alcohol on things. That's where the, all the cooling comes from. So you don't need a ton of airflow. The CFM is not very high. When it comes to evacuating wood chips from a channel, you need a lot of CFM. You need a lot of CFM. So it's going to be a balance between that. That's why I've kind of settled on the one millimeter vinyl hosing because you can still push a decent amount of air through that, but it can be really focused. That's just the thing. Like my CFM, if I can keep my CFM really low, but put it exactly where I want it to be, I think that's going to be my best bet for just extending the life of the compressor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to, to die early from just constant running. Yeah. And those big flexi hose, that's a great way to kill your compressor. Mm-hmm. Just because there's, I mean, it's like a quarter inch hole. Yeah. There's way more CFM requirement yeah. to get the velocity you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, this is going to be a challenge to print because we've got small holes, uh, that I want to be cylindrical as much as possible. What I may end up doing is just printing dimples and drilling them. Mm-hmm. That's probably a lot better, uh, a lot better way to get exactly what I want out of this. Yeah. But like I said earlier, like the nice thing is none of it's really critical because it's all adjustable on the fly. Yeah. Uh, craft lab, um, lock line is what we were talking about with the twisty bendy thingies. Um, they're nice, but they take a lot of CFM to run just straight air through them. And they're also really, really nice for liquids. Yeah. Like if you're doing liquid coolant, they're fantastic for that. Yeah. I actually use those uh, in my brewery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're awesome for, for that too. To, uh, basically, for I can adjust the recirculation. So I can move the recirculation outlet away when I'm like doing like a hop change or whatever. You know, it's funny. Um, when I was building my, my system years ago, I bought a really nice stainless steel manifold that has like legs that go out mm-hmm. and it has varying holes and they tried to make the pressure proper such that all the holes would get the correct flow and things like that. It's crap. I'd rather have like a, <laughs> like a $5 lock line hanging <laughs> off the edge. Like it, it, at sometimes, sometimes the simple solution is the best. It and, is his best. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the next topic is, uh, so Lewis Rossman, just had a video come out um, about his fresh start in Austin, Texas. Um, so Lewis Rossman is the uh, famous YouTuber from New York City who runs a Apple repair shop. Um, he's been big into the right to repair movement. Oh, he spearheaded a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but he just came out with a he's been kind of quiet for probably the last couple months. Actually, I would say almost six, seven months. Mm-hmm. Um and mainly he was moving his entire business to Austin, Texas from New York. And the cool thing with his new setup is he's going to be starting to do, uh, I'm pretty sure this is it, it, this is correct, but he's going to do free classes. Um, and that might change, but as this video, it's going to be free classes for basically learning how to open and fix things. So like he has like in this video, he's got like an example workbench and he's like, you come here, we're going to teach you how to use all these tools. That's so cool. It's like a... It's shop it's class. It's shop class. It's it's, it's like a maker uh, a maker uh, um, shop, but dedicated to just teaching tools and skills instead of like having a um, place to use tools, I guess. I don't think their purpose is to 
you bring in your stuff and use their tools to fix your stuff. I think it's, I, I, that might be wrong there, but I think they are there to teach you how to work on stuff. So it's a different mindset, I guess. Mm. Um, kind of excited to see where that goes. Yeah. Also like, um, you know, if he's teaching board level repair, a lot of the tools that you get to use there are not tools that you would find at a high school. They're not even tools you, you typically find at, at college. They're they're pretty specific, mm-hmm. even down to like just a hot air gun that's intended for SMT repair. Uh, that's not something you would interface with much outside of the electronics world. So having a location to go and actually play with that and learn about it, that's super cool. Yeah, I'm hoping it works out for him. Um, he's also right next to the uh, he's like a block away from the University of Texas at Austin. And so I, I figure he's probably gonna get a lot of engineers coming over there to learn how uh, how to fix things. His classes might not be free after a little while. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I'm, I'm super happy uh, that everything's working out for him now. Because for a while it was um, it was pretty rough for him over in New York. Yeah, he um, he produced a pretty sizable amount of videos uh complaining about the state of things up there and and he he had i mean this isn't necessarily like out of the blue he's been talking about moving for a while just given the fact that um the the, new york has not been particularly friendly to his business and uh he certainly wants to keep doing it so he he has a passion for repair like out of out of everyone i've ever met I mean, I haven't met him, but but specifically people that I uh, that I know, like this guy is like Captain Repair, like everything yeah. he sweats, like fixing things. Yeah. Craft um, Lab has has the link there in our, our Twitch chat. The free training is part of the Futo nonprofit. So it's Futo dot org. F-U-T-O dot org. Cool. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, seeing like what comes out of there. Um, even if it's like so many people treat things electronics and that kind of stuff as like throwaway items and if we can just slowly start to reverse that trend of throwing away things when they're broken and actually going back and going like back in the i say back in the day it's like before we were even born where you would open up a tv and they're like this is an old school like tube tvs you'd open up and there'd be a schematic and it would list all the tubes and you would take the tubes to uh you would take the tubes the to the drugstore. Lo- yeah, or the drugstore or like the radio shack that had a tube tester and you would test them and you find which one is bad. And then you go buy the new tube to replace it. It's like that needs to come back. Um maybe not that level. Actually, no, board level repair is like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um if we can start bringing that kind of stuff back and uh, I think we'll go a long ways in kind of like fixing oh, the consumerism problem that we have. Like, you know, we have like uh, climate change and all that stuff. Most of that is from stems from consumerism of of humans. Right. <laughs> we're just throwing anything away. That's part of it. Yeah. Wow. Making making stuff just to make stuff uh, or to replace stuff that's probably honestly pretty serviceable like the whole the whole like new cell phone every year the the new cell phone every year when your old cell phone is perfectly fine yes that's that's problematic yeah uh, that's super now i know i don't know I, that was a thing for a while i don't know if that's what people still do 
but that was just an example yeah um just fix stuff <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think one of the one of the first things to do um or the first the first hurdles to jump over i used to do this with uh with some interns of mine when it comes to fixing something is the very first thing is crack the thing open figure out how to get inside and then just stop and look like don't don't like get overwhelmed by things just look at what you're seeing and just guess at what the parts are and i'm not talking about like chips on a board just guess like that's a hard drive that's a power supply like those kinds of things and start to get comfortable with that because just just that initial like having at least a general idea on what things are takes so much of the mystery away well you start to break it down in your brain yeah um like right now i'm rebuilding a uh a a, t86 uh borg wagner three-speed transmission with overdrive an r10 overdrive that's attached to it and i've never like the most I've ever done is replace like a filter inside of a transmission. I've never taken one all part. Yeah. And like, I fortunately like this transmission, I mean, like most actually automotive stuff, like, like transmissions and engines, there's like a document, there's a factory service manual showing you how to fix stuff, but it's still kind of daunting. Cause like, there's a lot of parts in there and there's a, and there's a very, especially transmissions there's a very specific order of how things come apart and go back together and honestly what helped was actually having an exploded diagram like you don't get those a lot anymore Mm -hmm. of of anything like sometimes i'll get a new tool and it'll have an exploded diagram um there's a company called astro who makes a lot of like pneumatics and like uh, or maybe they rebrand i guess i don't know if they actually make their own stuff but a lot of times when i buy their tools they'll have like an exploded diagram of the tool with part numbers for all of them. So you can call them up and buy a new part, like anvil part for like, <laughs> let's say it's like a, a rib nut setter. Yeah. You can buy the new, you can buy a a new part for it that, you know, most time you can't buy that specific part for your tool. Um, so I buy a lot of their stuff because they do that. You can actually just go buy that part. The, the, the whole... maybe not even automotive like transportation machinery is so crazy um just being able to pull up a a, an exploded diagram on like google click apart and then it'll be like these people have it and this is how much it costs yeah for something that's like ancient it's god it's crazy um and so after i took it all apart um i just i and i cleaned everything for that transmission because it had like six year old gear oil in it Mm. and it was like that was honestly the second most foul smelling thing i've ever smelled in my life because it's old it's old mineral oil based gear oil so it went rancid it was rancid yeah that was the worst though was the rear differential for that same car because it had it was <laughs> rancid worst. it was rancid and had sulfur in it <laughs> oh god oh my god that's that because yeah that kind of gear oil has sulfur in it which yeah. is the the transmission gear oil doesn't um because the sulfur will I recall the sulfur will eat the bronze synchro mesh gears. Way too complicated, I guess, uh, for this podcast. But um, I, I just stared at the uh, exploded diagram for a while after I saw all the parts. And just like, even without looking at the reassembly document, because the problem with the reassembly document is this it was written in 65 for this car. The... 
it will call stuff out that we don't call parts by that name anymore. It has a different name now. And so it'll point on the like the diagrams like this part is called a blank. But you look at it, and it's like there's like eight things that look like that because <laughs> the resolution is so small. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> The, the, the retro turbo encabulator. Yeah. Fortunately, there was a, there's another company out there called, uh, I'm going to shout them out, Van Pelt. I think it's Van Pelt. Um, they sell, is it Van Pelt? Yeah. Van Pelt Sales. I'm trying to make sure that's their actually company name. Um, they deal mostly with Ford. And this is like a, a checker, so it's not a Ford. But Ford used these transmissions and all the guts are pretty much the same. And I ordered some parts from them and they they give you a catalog. And inside the half the catalog, this is the best thing ever. I've never seen this before. Half the catalog is exploded diagrams and high resolution that I honestly I think they drew. Because I can't find any other example of these kind of drawings. Like a redrawn thing? A re like they I don't know if they did redraw it, but I can't find any other examples of these drawings because they're, they're slightly different angles and stuff than the factory service stuff. D doesn't um, <clears throat> climber uh, manuals, don't they do all their own drawings? I don't know. I, I've never heard of climber. Oh, climber does a uh, C L Y M E R. They like every dirt bike, every four wheeler, every okay. like entertainment. So vehicle. they're like <laughs> the Hanes of motorcycles then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, climber manuals were like the gold standard for. Well, I mean, they probably still are, but um, yeah, Haynes. yeah, all of their drawings are awesome, and and I'm I I think they do all their own. Um, but yeah, so I was like, and that was free. It came that catalog came free with like fifty dollars of parts I got. I'm mm -hmm. like, this fifty dollars alone was worth it for those drawings. Mm -hmm. At least I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I bought some more parts, and they shipped me another one. <laughs> So I got two of those now. <laughs> I'll have to show. I'll, I'll, I'll take some pictures of like of it, and I'll show you like the. I actually, I'll put uh, in the show notes. I'll put like I'll take a picture of the the Van Pelt catalog, the explode diagram, and then I'll take a picture or a screenshot of the checker manual and show the difference. <laughs> the, the AB, the AB of like how much better this is drawn. <laughs> oh. Um. So, well, yeah. well, they're happy to send you those because they know that you have those. That means you'll buy stuff. Yeah. And the great thing is uh, they'll have like the part number and then you flip to the part of the catalog that has it. Mm. Yeah, it is. They have like an online shop, though, but it is kind of old school where like half their catalog isn't on their online store. So you have to call them up and get the part, which is fine. I mean, a lot of old car websites are like that the fact that you can still buy a part for a 1965 checker marathon three-speed transmission is kind of amazing though oh absolutely yeah. um so in the similar vein of cars uh mercedes makes better performance a 1200 dollars subscription for its evs i knew this was going to happen when ev the fact with evs I realized this when I was rebuilding my parents' golf cart. Okay. So in my parents' golf cart, it has its own custom motor controller. Well, I say custom. It's got custom code that runs on a like a generic motor controller, but it's not it's not the original one to the cart. It's like an all tracks brand. Uh, but it's got custom code on it. And 
I put a switch on it so you can change through three different performance modes. And the fact that I can go from like it's grandma speed to it's going to like end your life if you're not careful with a turn of a switch. I was like thinking my brain, I'm like, oh, this would be so easy for like performance packages and cars because for for gasoline motors, sure, you can get a different tune, but usually you're locked in. You're locked in on your hardware like your engine is going to produce X horsepower and Y torque. You might be able to squeeze some more out with a, a different tune if you can tune it, but you're still kind of limited to airflow restrictions well, in that engine right and and the most that they could do is throttle control and governor yeah right and that would change the performance performance like you could like modern um a lot of modern cars now are not throttled by cable they're throttled by wire now and so you could be like oh maybe you affect acceleration by slowly opening up the intake instead of like slamming it as fast as your foot can go down on the throttle you know the potentiometer in there, right? I'm I, I'm guarantee you that already is in most cars. Like they they don't let you just s- step function your throttle, right? Yeah, there's um, some kind of acceleration to. I think it actually Toyota up. was talking about. I think they might even have a patent for that. Um, but anyways, uh, so Mercedes will sell you the exact. The thing is, though, is basically on ice engine internal combustion engines they you pay for what you get you don't really the i i can't really think of a lot of examples where it's just you're buying a tune yeah the the difference between uh oh hold on that's 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 yep we're back okay um forgot exactly where we're at yeah well we're um oh we were talking about internal combustion engines if you buy a big hunk of metal it has like physical limitations yeah it has physical limitations that you typically don't buy a car and then like the next the performance package is just a tune there's probably examples of that but most time it's not the case um so Mercedes has changed that with their EVs where to make your car like I broke down vroom vroom, but they're electric cars. So they go whoosh, whoosh, (laughs) Uh, make it go whoosh, whoosh faster. You have to have a subscription now, Mm. Um, which I find very interesting. And I don't know how I honestly feel about that. I feel like it's just another way to uh, squeeze some more dollars out of people. Yeah not feel like that is 100% what it is. Yeah. Um, it's very, I I think it's not as bad as BMW. We talked about this a couple months ago. Uh, BMW now heated has seats? subscriptions for heated seats. Mm. I don't think it's that bad because honestly, it is heated seats is like, if you don't have the if you don't have, if you didn't pay for the subscription for your heated seats, the heated seats didn't go away. Just your ability to click a button and turn them on went away. Whereas this honestly is like a tune. Okay. Is it though? Like, because 
the thing about a tune is like somebody had to actually go and like find the peak efficiency for well, your car to tune. Mercedes things. engineers did. Well, but like they're just pressing a button and on and telling the computer go faster. And the computer's like, okay, great. They've well, paid. it's probably using different curves to to modulate the the motor. Yeah. But I I understand. I don't know how. It's not as bad as BMW heated seats descriptions, but it's still pretty bad. Well, okay, but when we say bad, I, I'm looking at the numbers here. So there's what there's four models. Uh, the EQ. So you can basically bubble. you can pay twelve hundred bucks, and then your car goes one second faster, zero to sixty. Well, it it, it unlocks about an extra hundred horsepower for what, these models. So at, funny enough. That might be the cheapest hundred horsepower you can ever pay for. <laughs> but 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 a thousand bucks wait, for hundred horsepower. You already paid for it. You're paying for the capability Did you? of it. So, okay, an example would be okay. This this is another example. Is for a thousand bucks, I can get a bottle of nitrous and put it on my wagon. Okay, <laughs> and get an extra hundred. And, and do a hundred shot and get another hundred horsepower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I already paid for my V8 in that engine. Why does it not have another 100 horsepower then? Hmm. Just an example. Now, I, I understand it's software unlocking it and not spraying nitrous down the throttle body. Hmm. But when you look at a thousand bucks for 100 horsepower, that's like that's super cheap for 100 horsepower. It is. From, from it the, is. In the yeah. car world, you, you end up paying. Usually it's like when you get into performance. Like that's going to be your, you're paying $10 a horsepower, which is insane. Yeah. What's your dollar per horse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's, here's an, here's another, um, thing in this similar vein. I'm curious your thoughts on this. The first company I worked for, we made vibration sensors and, uh, oh, I, I, so hold on. Craft Lab actually has a good point here though. Is yeah. what bugs me in the most, it's a subscription and not a one-time cost. Right. Right. That's it's what not I agree unlock. there. Yeah. Well, actually it makes my nitrous example more applicable because nitrous you use it and so you, it's a consumable yeah it's a consumable yeah. which is what a subscription services yeah so nitrous is a subscription service for horsepower it, it's probably <laughs> still more expensive than this though oh yeah yeah the properly because nitrous, this, yeah because this is not a consumable yeah but, but it's okay. a consumable on your wallet but but let me get your thoughts on this so I, I, at my first job we made vibration sensors yeah and all of our sensors uh, or, or, or the, the sensors we designed would pass all the agency certifications. So if you bought one of our sensors, it had technically passed everything for wor working uh, uh, virtually across the world, India, Russia, yeah. the Euro uh, uh, Europe, UK, Canada, everywhere. It, they were all certified, but you didn't get the cert. So if you wanted the one that worked in Canada, you would buy the model. I'm using air quotes here. The model that worked in Canada, you would buy that. And the only thing that we would change about the product is we would print a piece of paper that says it works in Canada. So, oh, so, so yeah, like the thing is you technically paid for all the certs, but I wonder if that's if they had to, it was the maintain the paperwork in that country. 
Oh yeah, well, absolutely. All of that That's was what you were paying all for. of that was rolled up into it. Yeah. But if you bought the base model, it technically passed all the tests, but you didn't get the cert, so you mm. couldn't prove that it passed all the tests. Even though I could prove it passed all the tests. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, but it wasn't a subscription model. It's not like if you want to continue to use it in Canada, you have to pay twelve hundred a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say if it was a one-time fee, um. I think people wouldn't wouldn't really look too close at this. Like if they said, well, like what is the, the average ownership of, of a car is like three and a half years in the United States. So if they charged three grand for the better electric engine, like the electric motor tune. Okay. I don't think a lot of people would bat an eye. Okay. Yeah. Because but what would happen? What would happen? is people wouldn't even know people would think there was a difference until someone took everything apart and started looking at the part numbers right right, right. that'd be the only thing and that would take like another year down the road for someone to actually look at that you you, you know what's next on this is not different options now you're gonna go get a car and they say how much horsepower do you want and you tell them a number and then they just charge you that number yeah and how much torque do you want <laughs> you just yeah, give them a yeah. number Craft Lab ha- has something in there where, like, you buy horsepower credits. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the thing that that I'm actually a little bit worried about. I mean, it's it's already we already have the technology to know how fast you're driving anywhere. We also know have the technology to know what the speed limit is where you're driving. How soon is it until we just limit your car to the speed limit anywhere that you're driving? Well, it's time to overthrow the government then at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, like that, I, I feel like that's coming. Um, not not to get all tinfoil hat here. <laughs> I I don't think that's going to happen. Um, what I could see in regards to that is having like, like for school zones and stuff like that. I could see that being a thing. I don't think they'll ever limit it on freeways and stuff though yeah it sounds like slippery slope and stepping stones towards that well local governments wait to make too much money writing tickets for them to allow that to happen that's true that's true you're right because then they would lose all of that yeah all that would yeah. go away yeah but but i mean you you can always sell safety to people you know yeah i don't know evs have a lot of uh there's a lot of cool stuff about them, but there's also a lot of uh, cans of worms to open yeah. with them. But I, I was thinking, I was doing the golf cart. I'm like, huh. I didn't think of a subscription, but I'm like, oh, it'd be super easy to be like, well, actually, no, I take that back. They do that already for golf carts way back in the day. You had to pay extra money for a key and putting key in quotes to make your golf like your easy go golf cart faster. And it was a wire jumper change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your your golf cart already had the ability. It was just changing a jumper hmm. on the motor controller. Oh, even the in, very um, I, what what game console was it? Was it the Odyssey? I think it was the Odyssey. It was one of the first uh, video game that consoles. Was Magnavox, wasn't it? Magnavox Odyssey. It was one of the first video game consoles. And the cartridges are just jumpers that reconfigure the transistor circuits inside. So they're just traces. Hmm. 
So it's, the games are pre-programmed hard. Well, they're not. Yeah, the pre, you're just rearranging the transistor circuits, and so different images would appear on your screen. Now the games were much more simpler. It's, it's like you had like a, a version of pong, and then tennis. Everything involved a ball going and back paddles, and forth yeah, yeah. between paddles, but it would rearrange the things and different scoring that kind of stuff. And it was the cartridges had different traces that rerouted everything differently. So if you knew them, you could just wire it up yourself. Yes. And and I, and I bet you like the actual wiring on the board was probably fairly simple. It wasn't like I bet it wasn't so hard to to yes. decode. You could probably decode it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to look back at the old episodes where you talked about the golf cart cuz you had a name for the the oh shit speed. I don't remember. Warp speed. What, warp speed. That's what it was. It was warp speed, yeah. <laughs> and 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 in warp speed, it basically didn't limit anything, right? Yeah, it, it was it, just it, wide open. Yeah, and um and that motor controller had a very interesting feature um where uh the you would go when you hit top end, it would actually start to to reduce how much energy it was putting into the magnet field to reduce the resistance. So your torque would plummet, but you're already going at full speed. Yeah, you don't, need, so, you don't need a lot so of torque. So you can yeah. get about another four or five miles an hour out of your motor by doing by basically reducing how much resistance the stator... Is it the stator? It's probably actually... It the probably spin. actually ends up being the inductance so that it can just dump current faster into it. it. No, it burns way more power. So you use less... and You put less power into the magnet side mm -hmm. and... It allows you to put way more power into the rotor um and it's a lot more like yeah it's insane how fast you can drain that battery in warp speed mode right it's it's a very non-linear energy consumption curve yeah yeah not it's a hockey stick yeah it's a hockey, yeah. <laughs> about 30 miles an hour or at least the motor is set up on that cough cart is you're still in like the the handle part of the stick and anything above that is the blade the blade yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah matter colin um the odyssey one uh console would be like a very simple fpga that you're just manually rerouting the uh the uh the logic units the co the cores or whatever they yeah, call yeah them. well logic units yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 yes it's a brushless motor medical and then the golf cart Um, I can't remember what they call it. That's that feature in the controller itself, but it's kind of a documented way of getting like extra speed. When basically when you don't need torque, you can sacrifice that part of your motor. That that's it replaced the torque with just RPM. RPM, yeah. Just spun it wild. Yeah, but you're not. You don't need torque at that at the top end anymore because you're actually your electric motor is not producing a lot of torque anyways when it's spinning so fast. Right. Right, right, right. It's it's the same thing with stepper motors. Yeah, they they stepper motors lose torque so damn fast. Yeah, that same way or same thing. Yeah. All right. So the last uh, field weakening that is correct, Metacolin. That's the term that that's used. They have some other term that makes it easier for like uh, people who just work on golf carts to understand. <laughs> I can't remember what term they use though. I think they actually just call it turbo mode in the thing. And you like click it and you can set what like what the curve is for turbo mode. 
Oh, like even in turbo mode, there was options beyond that. Yeah, you like click on turbo mode, and then you can adjust like the curve of the field weakening. Mm, okay, okay. So, like how fast it goes into turbo mode, basically. Basically, or like how much do you want the the field to weaken? Because there is a point where like you can weaken it too much, and you're going to lose you're going to lose speed because you don't have enough. Uh, torque to keep up your speed but at the same time they're probably thinking that you know the 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 the, the highest grade that this thing is going to be crawling is maybe like four degrees or something like I mean, that it's, it's, it's galveston texas so the grade is zero zero right <laughs> <laughs> it's flat it's a sandbar <laughs> right 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 so it's like ideal conditions for turbo mode yeah it is um so yeah Uh, Craft Lab is posting like schematics for the Odyssey game. Oh, that's legit. Yeah. So someone has a multi cart and it's just a bunch of dip switches. <laughs> <laughs> but you just flip the dip switches in different areas to switch the games around. Oh my gosh, it's three separate. Are those eight? Yeah. Okay. So three separate banks of switches, eight switches each. Yeah. So there's a lot. Okay. So there's a lot of permutations that could be things. Yeah, um, th th that's the funny thing is like this has been around for a long time of like it's just jumpers and you had to pay full price for a different cartridge. Yep. Yep. And no one knew better. Well, it's they're selling you software for that's just hardware jumpers. It's, it's just interesting to think about. So I don't know where. I think it's, I mean, I'm not going to buy one of these Mercedes EVs. You're not either, probably. Nah. Um, so I don't really know how, well, I, I, I'm not as annoyed as I am as at BMW with their heated, heated seat. seat subscriptions. <laughs> um, because I could you can view it as like a tune. Because that's, that's kind of what it is. You're paying for a performance tune. So if, if you take your Honda Focus, not Honda Focus, Ford Focus, like you can take that to get tuned and you have to pay extra to the tuner to put a tune on your your engine, um, which is a locking more horsepower that your that Ford didn't give you. Well, I think maybe one slight counter argument with that is uh, if, if you just bought that car brand new and took it off the 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 lot it was already tuned but these mercedes if you buy it brand new you could turn around and have them unlock this yeah well no, what i'm saying is is i'm saying this you could take your ford uh focus to a tuner and have them put a tune on it well but what i'm saying is if you bought a brand new ford focus they probably couldn't put a tune on it because it's already tuned no no they can put another they can put a performance tune on it you're not going to get a hundred horsepower for a thousand bucks, though. <laughs> no, but that's no, a great no. deal. <laughs> <laughs> so. The NOS package. Yeah, I, I don't. When you look at it as a number standpoint, it's a great deal. But when you look at it as a subscription, what 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 would be really annoying about this is if it needed like a constant internet connection. So you can have your 100 horsepower, like DRM. So I was just thinking, let's say it's one year long 
that this subscription, I hope it is for 1200 I hope it's not 1200 a month, but uh, let's, I think that's a whole year. Let's yeah. say a year, 1200 bucks. Let's say you are in the last minute of your year and you're hammering your, this car. Does it connect up and then change and like drop your, your power on your car instantaneous or would it be the next time you turn on? No, your so car? what you do, I got, I got the hack already. You, uh-huh. just, you, just, you just go in and you change the clock on your car down. <laughs> yep, yep. There you go. That's it. They 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 haven't thought of that. They haven't they didn't think about it. Nope. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one last topic today. Um the Star Wars Christmas special. We gotta start thinking about that this we year. Do one every year. Do one what, is this gonna be the seventh year? I think so. Yeah. How many Star Wars episodes have we done? A lot. I what I think is funny about the Star Wars episode is we do one every year we usually have at least one person if not two who show up and it's like no one talks about it except for us like the slack channel doesn't even mention it or anything like that and which i'm i'm totally fine with i just i laugh about it every year because it's it just feels like this fun thing that parker and i get to do every year and no no one mentions it (laughs) yeah so last year's was episode 307 uh, which is the sixth time we've done it and we had it was you, I, Hyron, and and Chris Craft on it. So we'll probably have the same group again. Wasn't wasn't Roz on it too? I don't think Roz was on. Was Roz on last uh, Roz, year? Roz was on it. I think we had three guests last year. I think you're right. And I'm, Roz just didn't prep anything. He he prepped something like last minute, like during the podcast. Yeah. He prepped something. Yeah, he didn't give me a document or anything, so he doesn't. He's not even in the notes. Right, right. But but I remember he 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 was there. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to. The the thing about it is, I have not been keeping up with Star Wars this year, so I have to do some homework. Yeah, <laughs> I, I gotta go watch. Like, I gotta watch Obi, and I gotta watch, and or I think actually the last episode comes out when we're recording this. Yeah, my my plan is to watch Andor. I've been I've been told by multiple people go watch it. It's good, so that's going to be my focus for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to watch Andor. Well, I'm going to watch Obi first, probably, and then Andor, um, and then probably pick some really obscure thing in the background that no one cares about and do a tech write up on it, like I did last year. Mm, yeah, because last year I did like trebuchets that can grab asteroids out of an orbit, <laughs> right? From an obscure like single episode show of a Star show Wars. that no one really liked besides like me. <laughs> that was the Star Wars Visions, yeah. Which I actually I rewatched that over the summer again, and I'm like, yeah, this is I still I, I love that show. So, so good. some of it was really cool. Some of it was mm, you're right. Yeah. It's it's hit and miss. It's probably one of the most hit or miss show I've ever seen actually because like there's some that are like so awesome and then there's some that I'm like you know what this is like some of the worst Star Wars I've ever seen some of it's rough real rough so we gotta figure out when we're gonna do that probably mid-December okay that's in like like two or three weeks uh let's shoot for like the 13th Okay. December 13th. December 13th. Okay, I've got some I got some shows to watch. Yeah, me too. I got Well, hopefully since Andor is all the way out and Obi's been out for a while, I I think I just need to find like a weekend and just like watch all those. Like I wonder if I can watch all of Obi in one day and then all of like Andor in one day. 
just not move on the 12th teeth. the day before <laughs> <On> the 12th. <laughs> and then spend like six hours doing a write-up on something yeah 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 <laughs> so oh meta calling thanks star-, his star wars episodes are one of his favorite ones oh thanks meta yeah great you're the first person who said that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are so much it's, it's some of our favorite tr- too just because it, it's that one week where we get to do something like yeah we do different stuff but like this is the one where it's like Focused different. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, the Lego one was great. Was that last year's, I think? No, I think that was two years ago. Was that two years ago? Was that, Lego was, one? that was two years ago. That one was weird with, like, time travel and, like, all these other characters flying in and out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right to repair isn't an issue in the Star Wars universe. I think you're right on that one, Craft Lab. So was digital communication. Yeah. So with that, that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack.